Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, uh, take out your Bibles, turn over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be looking at a story in the life of Jesus where he encountered a woman at a well, and uh, we're going to see some really neat things that happen during the conversation that Jesus has with her. Well, a few weeks ago, Keith Urban was in New Jersey about to do a concert, and uh, he was driving, uh, needed gas, stopped at a gas station. It was a Wawa gas station. Anybody ever been to a Wawa gas station out there? Okay, a few of you have, yeah. Uh, more of you need to travel and get, get out a little bit there. Uh, so he went in, he paid for his gas, but he didn't have enough money for the coffee and the snacks that he had bought. Because, you know, Keith's a very poor guy, you know, and, and everything. And why the man didn't have a credit card, I have no idea. Uh, but he's trying to find enough change. He can't pay for it. And there's a woman standing behind him in line that says, I'll pay for the man's snacks and goes up and pays for them. Uh, got a picture of them right here. Now, this is what happened. She looks at him and she says, and he says, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. My name is Keith. And she said, well, you look a little bit like Keith Urban. And he said, I am Keith Urban. And she said, seriously, I thought you were a homeless man that couldn't pay for his snacks. So sometimes you meet people and you don't quite know who they are, okay? I'm going to tell you that your entire life, whenever you encounter anybody, they're going to be a whole lot more important than you think they are. Because there's not a person in this world that isn't a precious child of God creating his image. So let's look over into John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 3. And the first thing we see is this. We need to see every person as important. We need to see every person as important. Look down to uh, chapter 4 verse 3. It says, So Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. And near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his sons, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me something to drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So as we begin here, Jesus is in Judea. What has happened is uh, Jesus' disciples are starting to baptize more people than John the Baptist's disciples. People are talking about it. Jesus doesn't want the rivalry uh, with, an, with another uh, godly person, so he decides he's going to go back to Galilee. And the most direct way back to Galilee is a straight line down through Samaria. I've got a map here, and if we'll just keep it up, you see uh, the, uh, what is that, purple? What is that color? Huh? All right, we'll go with purple. All right, that purple is the most direct route from Jerusalem there up to the Sea of Galilee that you see. 
But a good Jew would not go that way for any reason because that was going through the land of Samaria. So you took one of other two routes, either the red route where you go out that way down the Jordan River or all the way up by the coast that direction. But you didn't pass through Samaria because Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Now, I'm going to give you more information than you've ever wanted to know on why Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, okay? You hear this all the time. We talk about it. You may have never had it explained. Uh, So we're going to actually explain it here. Why did Jews and Samaritans not get along? Well, after Solomon died, you know, he had David the king, Solomon his son. When Solomon died, Israel split into into two different countries. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And if you want to keep it straight in your mind, south good, north bad. You know, that's just kind of the way it works out there. So the northern kingdom were the countries that broke off from David's line, and they established a kingdom up in the north. They did not worship the God of Israel. They were idol worshipers, and and they, they became apostates. So the good Jews that lived in Jerusalem... The, the Judean Jews saw anybody that broke off as idol worshipers and apostates. Now, one of the kings uh, of the northern kingdom, Omri, established a new capital in Samaria. He, he built a city. He named it Samaria. And so this became kind of the center of idol worship. So if you're a good Jew living in Jerusalem, you're seeing the Samaritans as idol-worshiping Jewish apostates that are there. But things get worse. In 722, the Assyrians destroy the northern kingdom. And when they do, they take into exile all the important people. And they bring in Syrians and Mesopotamians that they have conquered who are idol worshipers. So the northern kingdom Jews intermarry with the new people coming in. And when that happens now, the the good Judean Jews see them as not only apostate Jews, but as half-breed apostate Jews. And so there's even a bigger uh, break that comes. When Jerusalem is destroyed and they come back to Jerusalem, the Samaritans ask to help to rebuild the wall and the temple. The good Judean Jews say no for a couple of reasons. One reason, you're apostate, half-breed Jews. We're not going to let you help us rebuild the temple. And second, we don't trust you. They were right not to trust him. This is Ezra and Nehemiah time. Because the Samaritans do everything they can to keep them from rebuilding the temple. They, they send in troops to try to destroy the temple. They, uh, they call the king of Persia and they say, you know, please don't let this happen. Don't let them rebuild the temple. And so a big rift develops between them. The high priest at the time's son marries the, the granddaughter of the, of the governor of Samaria. And so Nehemiah kicks him out as high priest. He leaves Jerusalem as high priest, goes to Samaria, established a second temple in Mount Gerizim. So now you have apostate, half-breed Jews who are idol worshipers who have established their own temple. And so you hate them even more. By the time 150 years before Jesus, Jews gained their independence uh, from the Greeks. When they gained their independence, the Samaritans fight to keep them from becoming free. When Jesus is born about that time, Samaritans enter the temple in Jerusalem and scatter bones everywhere to defile the temple before they're murdered in the temple. And so there is an intense hatred between Jews and Samaritans. By the time Jesus comes along here. This isn't 
uh, I'm a Kentucky fan and you're a Louisville fan. This isn't I'm a Democrat and you're a Republican. Although maybe it is today. That, that, that's getting pretty, pretty bad out there as we sit. But this is intense hatred. This goes beyond anything that is normal. So you see on your map, a good Jew doesn't go through Samaria. A good Jew goes around Samaria because you don't want to be defiled by these half-breed Jewish apostate idol worshipers who are now worshiping in Mount Gerizim. And so that's what we see there. But what does Jesus decide? He decides, let's go the most direct route and go right through Samaria. His disciples are probably appalled when this happened. They couldn't believe it. And then they get to the town of Sychar that you see there on the map uh, as you're getting a little bit further up, right right in the very middle there. See Samaria and then down to Sychar where the, where the purple line is. And it's lunchtime. Jesus is tired. He's hungry. You ever been tired and hungry at lunch? And so they stop at a well, and Jesus asks his disciples, go into town and get something at McDonald's and bring it back. So they're going into town to get them some lunch. And uh, they're probably not real happy about having to go into a town. And a woman shows up at the well. Now, this isn't the normal time to draw water. And Jesus engages her in conversation. Two problems with that. One, he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. The second problem, he's a man and she's a woman. A man didn't talk to a woman in this day and age out in public like that when you were alone. That would have really been considered uh, an uncouth thing to do. But Jesus breaks through both of those things and says, will you give me a drink of water? Now, the woman can't believe she's asking that, and she looks at him, and she says two things. She said, you want me to give you a drink of water? You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. And so both of those things come up there. Why are you even speaking to me? Now, how would she have known Jesus was a Jew? Anybody ever been to Europe? Okay, so of you have been to Europe. If you're in Europe, you walk down the street, it takes people about one and a half seconds to know you're from the United States, okay? You don't even have to say anything. The way you dress, the way your hair's cut, they know you're from the United States. I was in London one time walking down the street past New Museum, and uh, there had this hawker out there, you know, 10% off today, 10% off. And he's yelling at us, and we just walked by. Didn't say a word. He hadn't heard us speak. And we walked by, and he goes, well, Americans, 20% off. How did he know we were Americans? Just the way we dressed, uh, the way our hair was cut, the way we looked, uh, the way we carried ourselves. You know, he knew we were Americans. Well, in the same way, a good Samaritan would know who a Jew was. And so what we see here is this rift that has developed, a very ugly rift. Why would Jesus go through Samaria, and why would he speak to this woman? Because Jesus had a different way of viewing the world. Every person on planet Earth is a child of God created in his image that God loves. It doesn't mean every person acts properly. It doesn't mean you want to be in a dark alley with some people. Uh, It does mean that every person is of value and every person is of worth. And that's the first thing we've got to see and understand if we're really going to begin to make a difference in the world is that there aren't people who you you can't see as valuable in this world. Every person is valuable. Every person is loved. Every person created in God's image. I don't care where they're from, how much money they have, whether they're male or female, whether they're, they're, they're white or black. I don't care if they're from a different country or a different philosophy. Anybody that lives in this planet is a special child of God created in his image. 
And so that's the starting point for everything. Everybody's not going to behave the same way, think the same way. It's going to be very difficult with even get along with some people. But every person is valuable, and we've got to see people that way. So that's the first thing we see as we start our scripture here. The next thing we see is this. So if we see people as valuable, then we need to be willing to break down the barriers that separate us. We have to be willing then to break down the barriers that separate us. So this woman has just said to Jesus, what are you even doing talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Now, the normal thing for a good Jew to have thought was this. Okay, I tried. That's exactly what I thought I would get back, so I'm through with you. But that's not what Jesus does at all because he has a different viewpoint of the woman. He doesn't see this woman as a Samaritan. He sees this woman as a child of God creating his image. So Jesus continues the conversation. Let's see what happens down in verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking to you and asking you for a drink, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with from the well and it's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as he did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling into eternal life. So it's really interesting as we go on here as Jesus is beginning to to break down some of these barriers. He continues the conversation of the woman. And he says, you know, I ask you for something to drink, but if you knew who I was, you would ask me for something to drink, and I would give you water that you'll never get thirsty with again. Now, immediately, the woman's interest is piqued. You know, what's going on here? What's he talking about? Why is he even engaging me in this conversation? But the first thing she does is she asks something rational. You don't have a rope and you don't have a bucket. Where are you going to get your water? You know, that's what she's saying. How can I get this living water you don't even have a bucket to get it with? And Jesus tells her, look, I'm going to give you water that will spring from the inside of you and it will spring into eternal life. And so right here now, Jesus is beginning to break down barriers just by having the willingness to engage this woman in conversation. I'm going to go back to those pictures uh, uh, earlier there. There's an interesting thing that happened in Sonoma, California this week. Uh, At the jail there in Santa Rosa, one of the deputies noticed that one of the inmates seemed to be really upset. So he went and asked him what's going on. Now that's unusual in itself because how many deputies are going to care if an inmate's upset in their jail or not? But he goes and he talks to the guy. And the guy told him, I just got a phone call from from my aunt. And I found out that my mom... Uh, is about to die in the hospital, and and I'm here in jail, and there's nothing that I can do about it. I'm not going to get to see my mom again before she dies. So this deputy goes and talks to his higher-ups, and they give him uh, uh, a pass to take this man out of the jail into the hospital. And I've got a picture of of the inmate uh, with his mother right here in the hospital. She was so excited to see her son one more time. And when they left, uh, this is what happened uh, when they were leaving. She hugged uh, the deputy that had brought them there as well. She died just a day later. Now, why would something like that happen? Because you had a deputy that didn't see a no-good prisoner, but saw someone as, as an individual of worth who was hurting and needed to see his mother. And so you have to begin to say, what can I do to break down those barriers? 
For Jesus, there was two barriers. There was the barrier of the Jew-Samaritan thing, and there was the barrier of the man and woman. You don't, a man doesn't talk to a woman in a situation like this alone. He had to break through those barriers to be able to really communicate and talk to this woman, and he did. He pushed through. And what we have to understand is there's a lot of barriers that you're going to encounter in this life when it comes to really uh, meeting and knowing and understanding people. And you've got to be willing to challenge those barriers. They're going to come up all the time. They're going to be barriers of, of economics, how, how rich and how poor people are. They're going to be uh, uh, barriers of what part of town one person lives in or the other, barriers of race. We've got all kinds of barriers that stand in our way. And they're easy to divide people. We could be divided on a million different fronts. We could be divided politically. We could be divided theologically. We could be divided by so many different things, barriers that come up and keep us from really being able to see people as people of wealth that Jesus loves. And so we have to begin to break down those barriers. We have to begin to say, what's going on here? What can I do to make a difference in everything that's going on? It's not easy to break down barriers, but Jesus is willing to do that. But you only want to break down a barrier if you understand the person that, that, that is away from you is a person of value and a person of worth in the eyes of God. At the last church, Dawn and I pastored in, in Mount Washington, uh, you know, it was a country church becoming kind of a suburban Louisville church. And uh, one Sunday morning, a guy walked into church. He was wearing a tank top. He was a big guy. He had tattoos all over his body. He had, had big earrings and a nose ring. His head was completely shaved on one side, and his skull was dented in with, with, uh, with stitches everywhere. And he began to walk around the church and, and look, you know, and see. And everybody's going, oh, my goodness, you know, what's going on? Who's this guy? Just his appearance could have been a barrier. Nothing but his appearance. He went and sat down in a pew at church, and believe it or not, a couple of the little sweet old ladies decided to break the barrier because nobody can be mean to a little sweet old lady. You know, okay, okay. And so this, these couple of little sweet old ladies, they go back and they start talking to him. And uh, during one of the songs, one of them comes up to me and says, you've got to meet that guy. He's got the greatest story in the world. And uh, I, said, I said, okay, you know, what, what's the story? Well, he had been a drug dealer in Miami, Florida. And during a drug deal that had gone wrong, he was beaten with a baseball bat in the head, about died, and in the hospital became a Christian and decided that he needed to get out uh, of, of Florida and all the people he knew in the drug trade and get somewhere where nobody would know him. And so he went to the outer ends of the earth, Mount Washington, Kentucky, <laughs> to get away from everybody. I went back, I began to talk to the guy, super friendly guy, and uh, unbelievable. He became uh, a very special part of that congregation as he was there. But it only happened because two sweet little old ladies decided they were going to break down a barrier while everybody else was going, should we call security? You know, we've got a couple of police officers in the church. Are they sit in front and behind him or, or something like that? You know, instead, let's break down the barriers and see. We have to be willing to break down barriers. The third thing we see is, okay, if the person is a value, if you're going to break down the barrier, then you've got to understand when you break down the barrier, barriers exist on both sides. 
There's not just a barrier that you have. You know, who's the strange guy that's come into our church? But there's also a barrier on the other side. And so one of the things we have to do if we're going to really uh, uh, touch people is that we've got to be willing then to deal with misconceptions that come up. What are the misconceptions uh, that we have and how do we deal with these misconceptions? That's the next thing that Jesus does uh, in our scripture passage. Look down to verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty, and I have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go call your husband and come back. She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And so this is the, the first barrier on both sides that have to be overcome. And what's the barrier? This woman is considered a sinner by everybody in town. Why is she considered a sinner? She's had five husbands, and she's living with a guy now, and she's been ostracized by the community to the extent that she has to come and draw water at noon during the hottest part of the day when nobody else is around because they won't let her draw water when the rest of the people come to draw water. So she sees herself as someone that isn't worthy and that doesn't count. But Jesus understood that. He understood who she was. He understood all of her sins and all of her failures. And he continued the conversation with her. He initiated the conversation knowing all of those things. And why did he do it? Because he did not see her as a useless sinner who had broken vows over and over again. He saw her a person of worth created in God's image that God loves dearly. So that's the first misconception that Jesus had to deal with from her side, is that I'm not a person of value. The very fact that he continues the conversation with her shows she's a person of value. If you simply engage people in conversation, you're letting them know they are people of value. Uh, You're not going to try to have a pleasant conversation with someone that you don't think is a person of worth. You're going to want to get away from them as soon as possible. So just communicating with people shares something there. That brings us to a second misconception we see in verse 19. So Jesus has told her something nobody could know. You've got five husbands. The guy you're living with now isn't your husband. I'm still here talking to you. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. She knew something nobody else would know. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. You Jews claim that the place we should worship is Jerusalem. So she asked a theological question here. The barrier of Jews, Samaritans, the misconception of do you worship in Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim? That was a big problem they had. Remember when, when the high priest was kicked out and he established the temple on Mount Gerizim. Where do we worship, she says, Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim? Let's look how Jesus answers the question, where do you worship? Uh, should you worship like the Jews? Should you worship like the Samaritans? Verse 21, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Salvation has come from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father sees. God is spirit and the worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. All right, that's a lot of words there, but basically what Jesus says is this. 
It doesn't matter where you worship. It matters who you worship. You see, her problem was, are the Jews right or are the Samaritans right? And Jesus said, I don't want to get into all that mess. You just need to give yourself to God. God's what it's all about. It's not where you worship, how you worship, who you're worshiping with. It's, it's the God that you're worshiping. That's what counts. And so he begins to break through that misconception that it had to be Mount Gerizim or it had to be Jerusalem. There's a lot of misconceptions that people you're going to talk to are going to have about God and Christianity and your church and everything else. There'll be people that think, well, if you're a Christian, then, then you don't believe in science and you're an ignorant hillbilly. Uh, you know, only stupid people that don't believe in science uh, believe uh, in Christianity or something like that. That's a misconception you're going to have to begin to break down. And you're going to have to do some study and find out that almost every great scientific achievement in the past thousand years were made by people of faith. You know, it, it has nothing to do. Science is not the enemy of religion. Uh, as we get into it. There will be misconceptions that people have. Okay, if you're a Christian and I'm not, then you don't think a lot of me and you think I'm a bad person. And we've got to get to the point of letting people know, hey, look, none of us are good people. Jesus died so that, that all of us could be saved and forgiven. And we've got to see people in an entirely different way and break down that misconception. There's a misconception that you're going to want to judge people. They're not as good. They're bad. You're going to judge them. And they've got to say, I'm not here to judge you. I'm in the same boat without Jesus. You know, that I'm here to love and care for you. And so a lot of misconceptions that we have to break down. Anybody know where Lowndes County is in Georgia? Right down near the, uh, the Florida line. Uh, they have one of the best football teams uh, in the state. If you've ever driven down uh, the, the interstate there, right before you get to Florida, they have that huge high school football stadium. Anybody ever seen that? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's huge. Uh, that's there. It looks like a college stadium uh, or something. Well, there was a lady that took her nephew uh, to one of the Lowndes County high school uh, games. Uh, the lady's name is Star Bradley. And her nephew is Isaiah, uh, and he's six years old. And she took him to the game. He, he hadn't had a good day. He was acting up. He was, he was pretty bad and everything. And during the game, he just ran away from her and went up to the stands. She started to get up and chase him, and she saw that he was sitting there talking to a lady in the stands. He was sitting right next to her. He was like in the stairs. She was in the, the aisle seat, and they're having this, this conversation. They seem to be getting along well. She gets eye contact with the lady, and the lady says, you know, he's okay. He's fine. And, uh, and she said, you know, okay, whatever. You know. Then after a few minutes, the boy comes back down and, and, and sits with her. The next week, she goes back to the football game. When they go back to the football game, they walk in, and the boy immediately sees the lady and goes, oh, oh, oh. And the lady sees him and waves and goes, come like this. And the aunt says, well, I guess that's okay, go on. So he goes on up there, and he's gone for a very long time. And she begins to think, what's he doing? And so she stands up and turns around, and this is what she sees when she stands up and turns around. The boy has fallen asleep in the lady's arms that he's gone up to. She goes up, and she engages the lady, the lady's name Angela, and she begins to talk to her. And she says, no, he's fine, just let him sleep here, he'll be okay. And this is what she wrote on Facebook after this particular incident. I grew up in the South as a black woman, and I never thought there would be a time that a white woman would be holding somebody that I loved and letting them sleep in their arms. She said, that's the world that we need. You have to break down barriers, misconceptions, 
And you've got to be willing to care for people. But when you do that, it makes a difference. All of the misconceptions that are out there in the world. And to say, we've got to be willing to challenge them if we really want to care for people. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. We need to trust God's nudges. So what happens because of this? The woman said in verse 25, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus said, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. And it'll go over to verse 39. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I'd ever did. And when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Jesus was willing to see people as important. He was willing to challenge misconceptions and break down barriers. And because of that, a great revival took place in a Samaritan village. And that's what we have to see and understand. God is wanting us to break down barriers. He's wanting us to deal with misconceptions for one reason. People are valuable. People are important. And there are barriers that will keep them from God and will keep you from going to them unless we willingly break them down because we see them as important. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Our prayer is that we would look at others and show them that same love. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to this time of invitation, there's several things that you can do at this time. If you've got problems, things going on in your life, you can just come and pray at this altar. We've got ministers that would love to pray with you. You can come at this time and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing. The most important thing you could ever do is exactly what happened with that woman at the well, is to give your life to Jesus and to follow him and to find the new life that he has. Maybe you've had some misconceptions. Maybe there's some barriers that are keeping you from making that decision, and this is the day that you need to do that. But I hope something that everybody does, and, and, and just while you're standing, you can do this, is for, for you to pray to God during this time and say, Lord, help me to have different eyes this week. Help me to see people differently. Help me to see everyone I encounter as valuable and important and, and, and to begin to break down those barriers that are between us. Find an instance this week where you can break down a barrier between you and another person, and you'll see an unbelievable change that will take place. But this is our time together. You respond as God leads you as we stand together and we sing.
As you go out this week, you're going to encounter a lot of different people. Some of them, as they say, for the people that have been to Haiti, uh, extra grace required. That's how the missionaries talk about some of the groups that come in. You know, they, they need a little extra grace. You're going to encounter people this week that are going to need a little extra grace when you talk to them because they're not going to be the friendliest or the nicest or, or behaving in the right manner. But there's not a person you'll ever encounter that isn't a child that God loved and created and wishes more for than they have right now. So go out with new eyes and a new heart as you do. Let's have a prayer. Father, as we go out now, we just pray that you would guide us and lead us, help us to see people in a different way. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.